Thank you all so much for being here today. My name is Alex Bendixson. I'm the Public Programs and Education Coordinator here. It's my pleasure to introduce you to Jayco and Mika Yoshitaki, the curator of this exhibition. Thank you, Alex, and thank you everyone for coming today. Um, we are delighted to have J. Co. here um, to speak about her work, uh, JK103 from 2003, um, as part of Speculative Forms. And this show takes up the ambulatories on both the second and the third floor. And um, I was just speaking with Jay about how this has been one of our most um, popular works in the exhibition. People have wanted to touch the work. Um, it's been a blessing and a curse. And um, I just wanted to say how it is very much a core part of my uh, concept for this show, which is really to um, explore the different kind of dichotomies um, between the way that sculpture has been seen um, within the kind of past um, century between figurative and abstract, um, still versus kinetic. So objects that really oscillate between these um, kind of oppositional terms. And in this case, um, there is a interesting materiality that once, you know, this is made out of, of paper, as we'll find out from Jay, um, but it is also kind of has this um, quality in which it is not necessary, it's not readily um, available. You don't see that paper right away. And so there's that kind of trick to the um, to the eye. And so we'll talk about that process in a bit. Um, but just wanted to introduce Jay. And um, so Jay is a, a local Washington uh, artist, but she's also um, from Korea and been trained in Japan at um, Toyo's Design School and also Wako. Um, and she was there for 10 years uh, before she moved to the States and um, also attended MICA. Um, and uh, graduated there and studied with uh, Salvatore Scarpita, whose work we have um, down on the lower level, and um, has been showing very much throughout the DC area at the Corquin, um, Phillips, and also uh, recently at Taubman, and has some projects in New Jersey. Very large scale installations that have expanded um, on this concept of the paper. So I wanted to ask you about the process and inspiration behind this particular piece. Uh, it's very simple to uh, talk about my process. You just need magic hand. <laughs> you can uh, work with any kind of material, but this one is specifically, you have every, you, every single people probably has this paper in your wallet. This one called adding machine tape. It's a receipt paper. Comes with a small spool, and you just have to work with hundreds, some work, thousands, unroll and re-roll and make a shape, and then it's a, Everything is shaped either circle or rectangular or square, and you have to make a big pool of water or ink mixed with ink. And the whole thing just goes into the water, in the water bath, kind of. And you have to kind of count it at, at which part of paper going to arise, which means when paper observed water, they expand it and they press against each other and arise it. So it's a very simple process, but until you get there, you have to do a lot of different crazy kind of thing, like other exper experimental work, one after one after to get that point. It's kind of accidental, but definitely you have to make that accident. So you get 
shape or form. And Mika and we were talking about the material itself. It be, you know, can be anything, but you have to work with it. You have to play with it. You have to talk with it. So they can tell you what to do, how to do. That's the way of uh, working with this paper. So the, um, one of the very interesting things for me in, in talking to Jay about this is that this particular work is actually um, soaked in sumi ink. And sumi is charcoal. Um, it's just a Japanese term for charcoal, which is burnt wood. So, and since paper is also, you know, the origins of paper is wood, there is this continuity between the two materials. And um, what is also fascinating about that is that um, one of the artists who um, Jay knew when she was living in Japan was Liu Fan, who is the leader of this movement called Monoha, um, School of Things. And we have one of the movements that I actually um, was studied in graduate school, and he, he works with these boulders, stones, and also with steel. And in that case, also, the steel, um, once you, you know, think about the material, it's, it's actually the, the foundation of it is, um, comes from millions and millions of years of accumulated um, of rocks. And so there's this kind of con similar kind of concern with um, how materials um, gradually kind of evolve and also inspire one. And so it's a very kind of interesting way of thinking about material um, that may have not been super conscious in the very beginning, but there is this relationship and that relationality within the process is very interesting. Um, and we were talking about how your process is just part of the work, that kind of artistic labor of pulling. And also, can you talk about the drawing process? And, you know, it's, it's not just this kind of end result. The form is not the kind of end result, but the process and the production is also part of the work. The make the long thing is short. I just put it back to where it was, to one source. It should look like a tree and rings, and some of the work are exactly cutted tree. And paper is from there, and this ink, concept of ink is from there. So put it back to where it was and make it one piece as it was. Does that make sense? Okay, some people understand, some people don't. <laughs> but that was my concept. I was very interested between those two different materials. One sources, but it became totally different, look different, the way of using is different. But absolutely, this is paper uh, and ink. We always work with paper with something you have to write on. And my father did uh, calligraphy writing with brush and ink on paper, and he writes a letter with it. And I was grow up, and he's writing in, in that uh, environment, and I used to do uh, beautiful calligraphy, writing with amazing brush stroke and that kind of thing. And I never into, it's so hard to do it because it's a brush. It's all about your hand, how to press or move and spit. And I decided this is not my kind of work I want to do. <laughs> but I can definitely use this material for other way. So I find out uh, here, this project started in 1996 when I was in graduate school. And I grabbed some material I never been used or nobody ever been used as like artwork, but, but it's a very common everyday material and I, I loved it. So I grab it, 
grabbed a bunch of those adding machine tape, and it ended up, I called NCR, and they delivered a truckload of this paper into my studio. So it started it from one roll, became thousands of rolls. So that's the, uh, my work begins, and uh, yeah, the whole thing. Uh, I was so lucky to have, uh, you know, one of those amazing artists. Uh, they uh, one, some of them they passed away, like a cell. When I was in graduate school, Sal Scarpito was one of my um, regular visiting artists. He come to studio like every month and talk about things, not only art, your life and what you're interested. And there's bullshit about art or great art and uh, bad art and all of it. And there's other uh, artists, when I was in Japan, uh, Liu Wan and other artists like Kwak Duk Jun, they're all monoha. I was in there and I was a very naive girl that how amazing they were. I just, I just had a great time to hang around with them and I have no clue what are they talking about because I was only in 20s, but definitely now I can remember the amazing things they are talking about the art. And I didn't, I didn't even put myself into their conversation. I was sitting behind it and I always listen. And I love to listen what people said instead of putting myself into that conversation. Probably that's our culture, you have to listen for three years, and then after three years, you can talk. <laughs> so, uh, all several, uh, and you know, now this day and age, I think about what I had then and what can I express myself through artwork is all from, you know, those mentor kind of amazing artists behind me or around me, then gives me, you know, so, making more art, make me feel like do something good job. So I'm trying, I'm, I'm still working on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the um, interesting, you know, aspect of that is that, you know, there's this subliminal way in which um, some of those core concepts that came from a, an alternative version of minimalism that, you know, developed in Japan and also in Korea has kind of filtered through in, um, in, in Jay's work in a very complex way. It's not just kind of um, looking back to, you know, um, Korean or um, East Asian motifs and kind of um, and using materials that just you know utilize that go back to one's own tradition there's a much more kind of complex argument that's to be made in terms of how that um, is you know de develops in in, in your work um, and because you are also studying here and working with people like Sal Scarpita, and um, I, I would say there's also relationships um, within the um, history of American uh, minimalism, post-minimalism here. Just um, the shift from working uh, artists working in more like industrial, you know, objects to um, looking at how gravity and you know the material dictates the form. And so um, you are also cognizant of the, some of the um, traditional kind of vernacular forms that, like the egg you were talking about, the shapes, how the the, re the shapes of these kind of started to form. Um, but I mean, you can, if you want to talk about that, how the the kind of um, ways in which these um, you know head-like shapes formed, or what you were thinking about in terms of um, you know the coils. I don't think about that much while I'm working. <laughs> 
as a matter of fact, because um, even though I think about very seriously and made a plan, specific plan, this part, this work has to go this way and that height, and I can't think about it because it's mostly likely what you think, it doesn't go that way like most of 50%. So I have to take a chances and I have to work with it. So you have to work with it and not work against it. It gives you someday, sometimes, this is what I want. And that's what I did. Um, I also want to have a chance for everyone to ask questions um, since a lot of you are here. So um, can we open it up and have an open dialogue? Okay. Thank you. It's great to hear you and see your art. I'm curious how the paper, is it layered horizontally, vertically? I'm not sure I can see it because it has such a beautiful velvet texture. How is the paper going in that? What direction is the paper going? This is all, when I work, when I make this piece, it's all like start with hollow kind of donuts ring. And I unroll and re-roll that way and fold it and then wrap it around it. So all layers goes all different way. So it was so totally flat. And when, when I work with water, tub of water, and it makes it all of the strange shape, like a very tight spot gets folded by water and may, make winkle out of it. So it's all layers go, I don't usually go make a layer higher and higher. That's what water, when, uh, paper absorb water, they rise it, so they do make a layer by itself, those depth of filling. I don't cut anything. Uh, three rings and things like that? Oh, this one is ho uh, the horizontal. I'm sorry, it's a vertical. And that, that in the middle side is vertical, so it's all different angle, it goes this way and that way, so. Yeah, at the beginning you talked about this, this tactile invitation that it seems to exhibit, that people want to touch it, and it's good and bad. If this were a less public context, would you invite people or, or allow, if you would, people to touch it? Um, yeah, 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 well, well, that's what I'm saying. What, what does, you know, does, does it being in a, in a museum, um, confer this kind of invisible wall that, that keeps us away from part of the sculpture that's kind of an important part. When you touch once, you don't really want to, you don't really feel like you touch it because it's not soft. Uh -huh. Same feeling like when you touch the book, it's a surface, and then it's very hard because it's, it's already wet with yeah. ink. Uh -huh. But I'm not really inviting people to touch because uh, your hand, greasy hand, in the, in the long term, in the long term, it, it, the paper is not going to be happy with your greasy hand. But when I handle my work, absolutely, I, I work with my bare hand. So I wash my hand. But uh, yes, it, this work is very inviting to touch. But we all call visual art, not physically touching arts. <laughs> so um, yes, uh, it's very uh, confusing. And it doesn't look like a pa paper. So people just want to make sure this is paper. Yeah, no. <laughs> it depends. Part of the excitement, I think, is the visual, the imaginative aspect of, you know, 
seeing it. It's actually called a haptic experience, where you see something and you feel like you want to, you know, you touch it. I'm just curious. The forms, I'm not familiar with your work, as you well know, but the forms are very sensuous and undulating. And I'm wondering if uh, that's typical of the rest of your work, even though you said it's, if we touched it, it's hard, but it looks soft. I think it's a part of uh, the layers of semi-ink I applied on this paper. It's, it's, it's not one layer. And when you put uh, same color over and over between uh, 20 and 40 times, get it dry and get it soak it wet and dry and wet, and it builds their own uh, uh, depth. Any color does that, especially this black. And it became very rich, but you have to work for that far to make it very rich black color. And this sumi ink is very tricky. When it's very uh, tight part, it became very uh, shiny, kind of silver, silvery kind of thing. So you, if you want to make it even, you have to avoid uh, that. So it's especially like a shape you ask. Is that your question, the shape also? Yes. Yeah. Um, one of my study was uh, graphic design. I was very much into the making drawings for symbols and the signs and the lettering and that kind of thing. I studied four years of those, and I was very into uh, transform to, for example, it's a symbol sign when you walk, and you can make your own, but it's a, like a kind of a language. So it, it became one of those simple thing, it's probably this one is uh, maybe letter, letter I used to design and lettering. And in Korean or Japanese, they have some kind of complicated shape of letter also. So I just combine those like this shape and that shape. So sometimes I do work with my hand or body and what I see from others, interesting shape you know, the position of what Mika stands, and I can see the shape. So that's sometimes I do make those work. Yeah, you're not tree trunks. <laughs> so you make other kinds of work besides this, like you make installations, right? And so for me, I'm kind of curious as to um, what keeps you coming back to doing this work as well as other directions you've gone. yet. That was a simple answer. But uh, I don't usually finish it. Oh, I had it. I'm not going to uh, work this series anymore. No, it's not me. I'm always going back and forth. And after this, I start to twist it, uh, same material, and make more three-dimensional. This one, and according to my significant other, said, this is 2.5-dimensional. It's not three-dimensional. And I said, then I will show you three-dimensional work. So I... <laughs> So I do uh, made an installation for floor piece, very low to the uh, floor. I like to look the pieces, look down instead of look up. It make me feel comfortable to look down the floor pieces. So I do make a huge installation uh, with same material. And also I do also work with re other recycled paper. Basically all of my work is recycled paper, nothing really fancy. and. I love to do that because it's so all recycle. It's a little bit make me feel better to working with recycle concept. So now I'm working with uh, those craft paper I uh, installed at the Phillips, but it became, why don't I just with plain white? And that place I'm gonna show has 
beautiful black dark gray floor and white wall kind of fan style. It's about 8,000 square feet and it's gonna be white pieces on the white wall with black floor. So nothing on the floor, it just shows white paper. But that paper is probably six inches wide and it just stack one after one after so the gravity and uh, press down and you know, with my touch of hand, create some kind of more natural shape some place like out west or um, in Europe, the place I seen and I love. So it's a recreation of uh, force of nature. Yes. Um, this, these are very physical pieces. Yes, it is. And you're a very small person. Yes. Um, do you have a team that helps you manipulate these? So this wet must weigh a gazillion pounds. I mean, how do you manipulate something Thank you very much. I took every single gear out of my body for this talk. <laughs> my wrist, my knee, and my back. Uh, yes, there are certain ways you can work. And I don't usually get assistance because the timing-wise and everything is off. On top of it, we have a studio in western shore of Chesapeake Bay, very remote area. And uh, this day and age, college student, they don't, they don't need job. They really don't. So they come and, okay, I can do your assistant. And a couple of days after, they say, this is not kind of job I'm looking. <laughs> so most of time, 99% making, buying uh, material through building crates, I do by myself. And it's heavy, but when you work that long time, you have kind of technique not to use your knee that much, your shoulder, so you can just borrow some other uh, machine kind of thing to help to uh, create this work. Yes, it is very heavy when it's wet, three or four times heavier than what you have just regular paper. Uh, Mika just asked me how long this piece take dry, takes forever. The fan goes on 24 hours, all direction and then um, apply ink. So it's about between small ones, six to uh, one and a half years to finish one piece. Since um, this is a natural fabric, fiber, and ink is somewhat natural, talk about the process after it's finished. What, what happens to it then? Does it change at all? Is it static? What happens to the piece? I just saw the piece I made it, uh, made it about 20 years ago. It's still same as it was. That's all I can say. <laughs> there is glue involved, but you don't see it. It's a back. It's like a book binding, the place you don't see. It's a glue, and sometimes I use epoxy to make a more stronger shape. And then uh, before epoxy, I use uh, paper mache mixed with glue and apply on top of back. So using that, using paper mache, it's a, it's a light and it's very strong. And then some places I have to hold it, use epoxy and then put, after that, put structure all around it to make it hold a shape and then cover with plywood and fill the gap with something else between. And then, yeah. I heard you say you had a company deliver um, rolls of paper. Was that before you started 
it's all, it's always been recycled, the editing machine tape. And uh, this day and age, the paper, uh, we don't have to use that much paper anymore because it's a computer, email, and things like that. So getting this uh, material, I don't know how long we can be able, I can be able to buy this because we don't need receipt. It's all email receipt, things like that. So I have to stack it up. Can you tell us a little bit more about other types of works that maybe you have started to experiment with? Yes, uh, most of people uh, think Chaco works with only paper, but uh, that is not true. I just don't show. And I just talk about with Mika, I show my drawings. I did it, and Mika said, when did you do this? Since uh, 1996? No, 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 when did you do that? Yes, since 1996. It's one drawing, several drawings. I made a drawing and dry, and I have to stop working for this and put it away and take it out year after. And that's a one other work for drawings. What kind of drawings? See, when I work with this series, I have lots of leftover sumi ink mixed with ink. And I don't feel like, you know, waste those things. So after I have leftover those material, I just pour into the paper and make a drawing out of some other tools I made. And uh, some other work I start to show. First time I show my, at the, my local gallery, it's a vinyl, it's a line. How do you call that? Lanyards. <laughs> Lanyards. And those plastic line. And uh, Mika said, when we go to camping, we just make a bracelet and things like that with that. But I didn't go to camping in America. So we didn't have camp here, I mean, in Korea. So I just do extreme research of, uh, about those lines. And uh, some I got from England, some I got from China, and some I got from Korea, and several all different the lines of either plastic or something else. I wanted to work, I wanted to make some other work out of my drawing books. I have stacked of 20 years of drawing books. Uh, most of uh, drawings didn't work with this, seri this series. So, but I still have to draw, I still have to make my, keep my idea someplace in my drawing book. So one day I just took it out and I really want to make a disc, but it's impossible to make with paper. So then, then I can use something else. So I got uh, the vinyl line at the Michaels. It was right there. It doesn't have to go England. It doesn't have to travel China, but it's a different material and I really like it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna work with that. Tons of material I order, but I am working with new body of kind of drawing. I call that to consider drawings with vinyl line, vinyl, 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 and uh, that. And I work with some other material like you know rubbers and all different things. But I'm still working on it. It's very refreshing. And stop working. Just all of a sudden, okay, that's it. I'm gonna go back to work for this, and then put it away, and a couple years after, I take it out and start to work. So it's nothing, it's, it, I don't have to show, but it's all for me. And, you know, so, but sometimes people say, oh, this is great, you have to show. And I was like, really? Do I have to really consider showing this? But it's not really necessarily, like what I did, all experimental wor uh, work, bring big roll of paper and slit in half and bury it under the sand before high tide or just bury a bunch of paper uh, under the ground and take it out three months after to see what's happening. 
and uh, burn the piece and something for me. So I do work more than paper in my studio. A lot of experimentation that happens. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you very much for coming, everyone. Thank you, Jay.